Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Athletics Football GM Podcast. And now, the Athletics Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Welcome to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando here, senior writer from The Athletic with Randy Mueller, former NFL Exec of the Year. Randy, we got a jam-packed show. So excited. We're going to just carry the momentum off of the amazing Monday night game, Ravens and Browns. We've, we're going to restack the AFC North today. Incredible game there. We're going to take a deep dive into the abyss. That is the Raiders' defense. We're going to break down a really good quarterback prospect. Might be your favorite one in the draft this year. I've heard a lot of rumblings, too, just from my contacts in the league. We're also going to reveal... And by the way, it's not Trevor Lawrence. We're also going to reveal... Randy's number one player, regardless of position, in the 2021 draft. Again, not Trevor Lawrence, nothing against him, but that makes it more interesting. We've got our picks. we got our Ask the GM segment, but Randy Mueller fell in love with Lamar Jackson again last night. I mean, this was right out of pick your movie, depending how old you are. This was either Rocky or you, know, you could go back <laughs> to whatever, but pretty amazing for him to run out of the locker room and then, you know, right away throws the, the touchdown pass. Kind of a goosebump game. This is why we love football, yeah. isn't it? It was awesome. I'll tell you what. And I loved your tweet last night when you rolled out Willis Reed coming out of the, <laughs> you know, uh, Madison Square Garden uh, uh, tunnel. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable uh, what we witnessed last night. And it's the NFL. It's like you say, these guys are good, right? <laughs> They're all yeah. really good. Um, when you add drama and a little bit of the unexpected, what we had last night, we had uh, something that was fun to watch. And I think it's probably to this point, the game of the year. Absolutely. So we come out of this. Pittsburgh's still atop the AFC North at 11-2, and two, but shoot, they're done, right? I mean, we don't even think they're a, a good team. Uh, just rolling off the emotions of, what have you done for me lately? Cleveland, 9-4. and four. Heck, I almost feel better about them after that game, you know? I mean, <laughs> that was pretty cool from their standpoint. Baltimore kind of lurking now at 8-5. Yeah, and yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. And still in the 8th seed in the AFC. They're not in the playoffs right now. But, I mean, you got to feel better about their chances. How do you size up this division for me? God, I mean, Baltimore's maybe a little dangerous still. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, we said going into last night's game that it would do a lot to formulate our ideas yeah. and, and our thoughts. And I think... We saw some things that we expected, other things that we didn't. But I had said all along that I thought Baltimore was not the same team since the Lamar fumble in the first Pittsburgh game. Okay. They had that game won. And I think it's about maybe five weeks ago or so. They were going in for the winning touchdown. Lamar fumbles. Pittsburgh seals the game and celebrates really like they won the Super Bowl. That, to me, told me that Pittsburgh believes Baltimore's good, right? They knew yeah. that they had dodged a bullet there. And then we hit COVID, then we hit all the rescheduling, then we hit some injury stuff, you know, Mark Andrews missed time. I think we saw a totally different Ravens team last night for the first time in five weeks. It was awesome. And again, Greg Roman credit for what he's done with this offense. It's not an offense that's traditional. And like we said, it features a quarterback that is unique. 
But it was for the first time in the last month, maybe five weeks, that I've been able to say, hey, Baltimore, like you said, we better take a look at them. Yeah. The other fun thing about last night's game was we saw two quarterbacks in Lamar and Baker who really showed at their peak exactly what we saw when they were coming out in the draft. Baker okay. Mayfield was exactly what he was last night. He's a kid that can throw on the run either way. He can be accurate. He's going to get some balls tipped if you keep him in the pocket. But he's also a guy that, when he has a running game with him, can produce play action, uh, one and two read passes that are really good. And he did that. And he was at his strength. The other thing was Lamar. He was exactly like this at Louisville. I mean, he ran around. He made plays. He's explosive as an athlete. And he throws the ball well enough to keep you on guard and, and keep you nervous about just what he did last night, coming off the bench to throw a pass, you know, completely cold, uh, 40-yard touchdown, you know. So those two quarterbacks to me were exactly what we saw uh, coming yeah. out of college, what it was at three years ago. So I think yep. the one thing where I take a little bit of maybe Cleveland is not there yet, and like you said, Cleveland went up in most people's eyes last night, was when they came back to score their t- touchdown at the end to take the lead, there was a minute and two seconds left, right? And I know it's nitpicky, but I saw Baker during that series when they were going in to score, snap the ball with a little too much time on the clock. They didn't really, they weren't yeah. looking second level. You know, they, they could have mixed in a run here or there to wind the clock. My point is they scored with over a minute left. And I could have easily seen that down to 30 seconds, maybe 25 if they'd milked the clock and gone second level stuff like you'd see a Tom Brady or a Philip Rivers, or somebody like that. Rogers, team. yeah. Yeah, Rogers. So so there's still some growing pains there that Cleveland and Baltimore, but we saw it, I think, more with Cleveland last night at the end, that we're going to have to see before we believe no. totally in them. But, hey, it's yeah. hard, to, hard to fault what we saw. I mean, two great quarterbacks in schemes that actually fit them. Absolutely. You know, I think so much of how we view seasons and even the players and and coaches, you know, the expectations determine so much of how you feel about things. And I felt like with Baltimore coming into this year, it was kind of like, oh, they've been great in the regular season. They basically had to win a playoff game for to to move the needle, right? And when they lost the Pittsburgh game, it felt like they couldn't do that. Like they and they lost to Kansas City, remember? They got exposed. So right away in the first, you know, half of the season, I felt like it was a little bit of a downer for them. Like they got their dauber down a little bit and didn't have the same energy. And of course the COVID stuff comes on, but they've looked like a team that was sort of mentally defeated. And I feel like now, you know, they got their life back. I mean, just, just watching last night after the game as Lamar Jackson gave the interview on TV and seeing those teammates come off the field and every single one of them, you know, shoulder bumped him or messed up his hair or gave him a hug. That's a leader, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they love this guy. I mean, I thought that was like one of the coolest things of the game. It wasn't, there wasn't just a bunch of guys walking by, you know, going, oh, there's the guy who's going to make the most money on the team. It was like, this is, you know, there's some team, there's some stuff coming together. And now I feel like they got their season back, you know, and no doubt. I'll just throw in one point on that, and it sure helps when you have what I think is the best kicker that I've seen in my <laughs> lifetime. Okay, yeah. let me just. It, it, I thought that was it was kind of uh, the haves and the have-nots. You watch Justin Tucker walk out there to kick, and was there any doubt he was going to make that kick? No, not, I know. not in my mind, not at all. Yeah. I mean, stone-faced, cold, calm killer, right? And poor Cody Parkey walks out there, and he looks like he just saw a ghost. I was scared to death he was going to miss the extra point when they scored at the end that was going to put them ahead. Oh. You know, so that was the the the, the uh, it was just a, it was a tough one for me. But at the same time, Justin Tucker is what he is, right? I think. Yeah. He, I've seen a lot of kickers in my 35 years of affiliation in the NFL. I've seen none better than this guy. So that is a great ace. In, in the hole and one to have in your pocket X to factor. help confidence. Yes. Especially after what we saw this weekend with all the craziness of kickers, right? I mean, it, it's these kickers are they're, they're all over the place. It's a crapshoot whether they're going to make an extra point or not. Not with Baltimore. Think of that. that uh, their season, right? You know, you're right. There's their season and how they feel about themselves. You're right. Cam's down to that. It's, it's like having Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas standing over your six-foot putt yeah. versus me and, and the yeah. Masters. You know, I mean, it really is. I mean, these guys are going to make it's a fluke if they 
if he misses it. So um, I'm with you 100% there. Who, who do you like in this division to not, let's not say win the division because Pittsburgh's 11-2, and two, but uh, to, to make noise in the playoffs? What would be your order between Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore? Here, here's the thing, and I don't know. I guess they all three make it, but there are a couple teams lurking there. I do think this was a big win for Baltimore based on who they play the rest of the way. I kind of like Baltimore in that I just think they're further along, right? They've been there. They've been to some playoffs. They've been there with Lamar. They kind of really, I don't think the bright lights are going to bother them. Not that they bothered Cleveland last night, but you know what I mean? I think, think there's a there's a, a final you know, push that Baltimore is comfortable with that I just don't know about Cleveland yet. Yeah, I think they both get to 11 wins looking at the schedule. I think Cleveland has a game head start. I think they win two out of three, probably lose that Pittsburgh game, although that will be interesting late in the year, what's at stake and so forth. So here's the um, team I don't want to be in the AFC North Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, if you think about it, I feel bad for the Cincinnati fans, right? They're they're on pace to win two again, and they will have won four games in two years. Yep, yep. And really, if there ever was a team that was ripe for some change, some aggressive team building, some some things, and we talked about it on an yep. earlier podcast, I just feel bad for the yep. Cincinnati group and for their fans because they're not in the mix in this what I think is a great division. I know they're gonna yeah. they're gonna get Marvin Lewis in the Hall of Fame based for on what he did there compared to what came before and after. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there on the AFC North. I feel like Pittsburgh was has been exposed, and their record's kind of coming down to sort of what it should be. So this, the top three teams in this division are pretty dang close at the end of the day, and I wouldn't want to play Baltimore. I wouldn't want to play Baltimore the last few games. And playoffs, we'll see. I think you still got to have the passing game, and that's questionable whether they have enough of that when you get really schemed up. I thought um, Mark Andrews made a giant difference last night, though. It's yeah. obvious that that is his security blanket. That's yep. who Lamar wants to go to. That's who he looks to to, to go to under, in the clutch. And, you know, he's been out the last couple of weeks. So yep. that yeah. has to factor in as well. Hopefully he stays healthy for, for Baltimore to make a run. I like it. I can just tell in your voice that we've got excitement for Baltimore again. So um, <laughs> they're back on the map. I think that was really great. And as we look at the AFC, we're going to transition a little bit here. Uh, here's the order for the AFC right now, and we're going to we're going to transition to one of these teams next. We got Kansas City one, uh, Pittsburgh's the second seed, Buffalo's the third seed. I don't think you want to play them either. Tennessee's the fourth seed. Cleveland is five. India six. Maybe we'll talk about them on another podcast. I think they're interesting kind of as a fundamentally well-put-together team. Seven right now is Miami. Eight is Baltimore. We'll see if they can move up. Nine is your former Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. We want to talk about them. My pick six column on Monday, I ran a really damning chart. Uh, Just picture your worst EKG chart or or the stock market crash of 1929 or whatever you want to come up with. But I looked at their offense and defensive production really since Del Rio got there and across across Gruden and that the offense is coming up no doubt we can see that last you know under Gruden that that's gotten better but that defense has gone from bad to worse to worse to worse John fires Paul Gunther the D coordinator this is a team that now um, is on the outside looking in on the playoff picture they got blown out by Atlanta they barely beat the Jets in almost a fluky fashion, and they just got rolled by Indy, which rushed for over 200 yards. They got a short week. They're putting in Rod Marinelli as D coordinator. Randy, let's analyze this defense. I've got some notes here after the side, but you you went into the film room and, and looked at it. Just big picture first. What stands out to you? And then we can get in the nitty gritty. Well, they definitely have issues, that's for sure. And, and what sent me to the film room was the firing of Paul Gunther of uh, the D.C. You know, he had been with John uh, from day one since he'd been there. And, and usually that means there's issues a little deeper than that. And, and really, that's what I found. They, they've they run deeper than the last three weeks. And you mentioned the Jets game. Really, I mean, we all know they should have lost the Jets game, but the yeah. Jets handled them. They handled them up front. They ran for 200 yards themselves. So not only did they give up 200 last week against the Colts, they gave up 200 the prior week rushing against the Jets. So, you know, this is a team that's been taking on water and leaking oil, however you want to say it, for quite some time on defense now. And really the generalizations I came with, and I'll I'll mention some of the specifics, but they're really soft up front. I can't put it any other way than that. Teams just get after them. They lack size. They're light in the butt. Their Their personnel just can't hold up physically at the point of attack. 
The other thing they struggle with is they struggle to pressure the quarterback without blitzing. They don't have any singular rushers that can go make a play. Once in a while, the Cleveland Farrell kid will, will flash an outside rush, but I mean, he was a fourth pick in the draft. I mean, come on, seriously. You know, his production hasn't been that. Um, so what happens is they have to blitz to get pressure. And that puts their secondary under great stress. You know, normally when you blitz, you got to play some form of man-to-man coverage. They don't have man-to-man coverage, guys. So their scheme is another example of just doesn't fit with the personnel that they've added to it. And it, when you look close at it, and, and I'm sure some of the numbers that you will give us will back this up, they've failed in the free agent signings. They've signed... You know, they signed this Carl Nassib kid from the Bucks, three years, $25 million. He's got 20 total tackles in a sack and a half. Not a big guy to start with. Uh, really has been in a backup for most of his career. Another linebacker they signed as an inside guy to be their starting inside backer is Nick Kowakowski from, from the Bears, who is another backup inside backer. Try-hard guy, but he's another light-hitting lateral player. It seems to me like they've collected a bunch of guys who are try-hard. They run from, from sideline to sideline. They don't push anybody back. They don't come downhill at all. And they make any productive tackles downfield after guys have gained five or six yards. So it's just a bad combination for me. The other inside linebacker is a former strong safety, Nicholas Morrow, who I'm not sure what he weighs, but he looks like he weighs about 220 pounds. So it's been a struggle for them, I think, from the personnel standpoint to get to where they are on defense right now. Yep. Let's go back to the draft. So they, and kind of Denver did this too, took a bunch of receivers early. Okay. So, so three of the Raiders first four picks this year were wide receivers. And I remember having a conversation uh, with someone in a front office after the draft, and we were debating whether that was the right approach because you're trying to sort of keep pace with Kansas City in that division, right? And Kansas City's going to score 30, 35, 40 points uh, every dang near every week. So what do you do? And and, and I think, that, as was pointed out to me, the difference between Denver and, uh, and, and the Raiders going after a bunch of receivers in the draft is that Denver already has a good defensive infrastructure, right? I mean, Vic Fangio is an unbelievable schemer. They had two good edge rushers. I know Von Miller's hurt, but in the draft, we didn't know that. So they had Von Miller. They had Chubb. Uh, they had a they had the makings of a good defense, and they look this year, their defense isn't bad. I mean, Vic Fangio's done a nice job, uh, I think, with it. They've had some good game plans, and maybe they were able to take that approach. The Raiders, on the other hand, just look at their construction of their team, okay? I was looking at this. Their top six cap hits on the team this year, $73 bucks on offense and nine on defense, okay? So that's going to happen <laughs> sometimes when you have a quarterback who's paid. But let's just go to your top 15 cap hits, okay? It's 70% offense, $97 million offense, 43 defense. Your top 25 players on your team is 65% offense. So... Now, Randy, let's go, and I see you shaking your head. The listeners <laughs> out there, kidding. I can see Randy. We're yeah. we're we're social distancing through our virtual uh, hookup here, but yeah. but I'm um, shaking the head. Here's their top ten defensive cap hits on the team. Number one, Lamarcus Joyner, four starts. Okay. Number two, Carl Nassib, two starts. Okay. Number three is Farrell, who's not his fault he was taken fourth overall. I think no, he's probably a nice player. He's a nice yeah. player. He's a good yeah. good player in the good NFL. rotational guy, yeah. <laughs> but we have, but there's remember they they gave away Khalil Mack, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. They got number 4 Nick Kwiatkowski. Okay. Number 5 Malik Collins. Number 6 Jonathan Hankins. Number 7 Corey Littleton. Stop me when you get a guy who's going to make a pro bowl. 8 yeah. Jeff Heath. 9 Nicholas Morrow. 10 Eric Harris. So couple things come to mind when I go through that list is, is one, John Gruden is the GM of this team, okay? No doubt. We can criticize Mike Mayock, but Mike Mayock is doing what John wants, okay? No Mike doubt. Mayock, it's not his fault he didn't have 25 years in an NFL front office. I mean, it's, right. it's John is pulling the strings here, and when you have an offensive play caller who does this, and you've been with Mike Holmgren or, you know what I mean, if, if these guys are unchecked. Yep. <laughs> You're going to have a team that looks like this, and you're going to make decisions, and he's going to say he's going to trade Khalil Mack or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And you're yep. not going to find a guy. The second part of this is, like you've, all, you've said when we've analyzed the Jets or whoever else, it's really hard to find elite players. Yeah. And when you give them away, 
we're trying to wonder why they don't have a good pass rush. Well, if they have Khalil Mack going after Philip Rivers, it's a different game. Yep. Philip Rivers can't move an inch. Right. Khalil Mack can find him. Well, yeah, and, and what you're telling me is, and, and, and I totally agree, I've given you the personnel side of it. You've given me the cap side. The cap side is going to be the hardest thing to clean up. When you make mis-evaluations of players and you add them, as we know, the cap lingers. Those those mistakes are going to be there two or three years. So it is deeper because of all the reasons. And, and you're right. John is in charge, right? But we also know John is an emotional coach. Yep. The things that make John great at a, as being a coach are the things that would make you awful as a GM, you know, when it's ready, yeah. fire, aim. Or, or you just, you know, you react on, on emotion and make deals like that. And it's crazy. Um, any one or two of those things would set you back. But the combination of what we've listed of eight or ten things and then to find out they've really s- screwed up their cap in the future and their defense is still bad. I don't, I don't know what their next move is other than they're going to have to hit on some mid to low range guys and, and find a yep. way to build some depth that way. But it's a struggle. And you look at it's, it's just interesting to me when you said that, and we, they've got Corey Littleton and LaMarcus Joyner on their team. It just made me think of the Rams, you know, who really went and got a couple of yeah. elite defensive players right. and then it filled in pretty well with the draft. You know, their draft picks on that side, that was the criticism of the Rams yeah. going after two guys. But you look at them, they've got. They've built this thing almost over the same time as Gruden with a couple really elite defensive players and then drafted it. It filled it in decently um, on defense and now are a really good defensive team and also have a quarterback like Derek Carr who's good but not the reason you win every week. Um, And with the good head coach and the uh, Gruden guy, right, and Sean McVay, you see some parallels in between the two teams but completely different setup on defense. And that's going to be the difference of why the Rams are going to skate right into the playoffs. I think the inexperience shows as well when drafting these guys. And again, this is nothing against Clemson. Let me just start by saying that. But the Raiders have drafted three guys from Clemson high the last couple of years. A corner, a safety, and a defensive lineman. Having gone to Clemson forever, having heard the way Dabo speaks highly of his players, I totally get it. it it's his, his agenda to get him drafted high. I can't help but think that the Raiders took some of that bait who may have listened. We all know how magnanimous Dabo is, right? And his personality. He's done a great that job. That is interesting, But Randy. that's the last guy I want to listen to when I make a Clemson call, you know? I mean, obviously he wants his guys to get picked. And I've been around some that have been swayed by that and picked players high because of that. This looks like a great example of that. People don't, they picked a kid this year in the third round, Tanner Muse, a safety that you haven't heard of, you haven't seen him because he's been uninjured. He has not played. And most of the people in the NFL, the seasoned evaluators, say this kid's going to struggle to be on a team, much less be a player. And he's a third-round pick that they picked from Clemson. So somebody bought something that was being sold, and and the film usually doesn't lie, but when you don't have a lot of experience looking at that film and building teams, you tend to be influenced by others from the outside who have different agendas. That's a bad mix of... Team building, to be honest. It's with. funny you say that. So, you know, I, I used to work at ESPN with John Gruden, and I used to go to all of his quarterback camps every year, and I learned a ton from him. I mean, John mm-hmm. incredibly works incredibly hard, incredible knowledge. I got to be behind the scenes and listen to him break down the opponents in our meetings on for Monday Night Football. He is amazing, but there is a lot of emotion there. And I can oh, remember gosh. going to those quarterback camp things, and sometimes John would be, you know, he gets so excited over the prospects, you know. and right. Uh, you do need to make sure that you have the balance to that, too, um, in your organization. But when you hire Mike Mayock, and, and again, nothing against Mike. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he you know, has his strengths, too. But one of his strengths is not going to be telling John what to do, right? right. <laughs> and almost nobody Yeah, there's going to be very little pushback, that's for sure. Yeah, you, 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 and that's hard to get when you give the type of contract and you know that sort of thing. And you've been there in organizations when yes. you have that as the head coach. But it takes, it takes somebody who can do it and talk the guy out of making a move um, emotionally. So we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Yeah. It just seems like a, a total recipe for, you know, not being successful. That's yep. all I'm saying is it's a struggle communication-wise. It's a struggle to put it all together. And, and again, I like John for what he does. I think he is a great coach. And like you said, Mike is awesome. He was great on TV. I just don't know that melded together is is – you know, a set of team building principles that you can hang your hat on for the next four or five years. And and they're in trouble and it shows because of it. Yep, absolutely. So 
You mentioned Clemson and the emphasis there. Let's get it into the, the draft and some of the quarterbacks here. We're not going to talk about Clemson, actually, um, in the quarterback realm, although a lot of people we are. Might. We might we at might. some point here. Yeah, yeah. We, we might. As, okay, Randy's got his notes. I heard you flip <laughs> the pages there. So, uh, you, Randy, we can go wherever we want. But no, no. <laughs> I, I was excited this week uh, on the podcast as we started t- talking a little bit about the draft. Because let's face it, I mean, if you're a Raider fan, you're interested in that segment. But there's a lot. There's half the league or, or whatever that's out of it right now, right? And you're almost you're already starting to look at the draft and our positioning, and and I, I think um, you know the the quarterback position, of course, is going to be in the focus in the draft, and people are talking about Trevor Lawrence and going to the Jets and all that. But you have been itching to talk about Zach Wilson from BYU, and I love it because uh, some of the folks that I speak with in the league are excited about him as well, and. I want you to tell us why you're excited about bringing this up in week 15 of the NFL season, right? Because as a GM, yeah. you'd be thinking this way, right? I mean, you're already no you're already you're already formulating plans. Yeah, you're yes. formulating plans, and we've seen some teams have fired their coaches and GMs. They're already doing it out in the open. But uh, what are you thinking about this guy? And we'll talk also about who should be thinking about drafting him and and how high and all that. But why why Zach Wilson? Why are you excited? Why do you want to talk about him today? Yeah, really what led me to even the discussion was when I see the Heisman watch stuff really on mm-hmm. TV for the most part. A lot of yeah. Heisman lists of this and that. And I see the Mac Joneses and the Trevor Lawrences and all these other quarterbacks out there. And, and the, nothing taking nothing from them. But I watch a lot of college tape. And I see a lot of players that I see not being able to make an instant you know, uh, jump to the next level. But I've watched this Zach Wilson kid for two years now, and I know he was injured uh, a couple years ago. But if if I could tell you that here's a cross between Kyler Murray and Tua, would you be interested? Yeah. no, Probably so. Yeah, and I think a lot of NFL teams would as well. This kid has um, all the tools that you look for really to run any kind of an offense. That's the thing that jumped out at me. I like Zach for a lot of reasons. And I'll go into some of those, but this kid has a knack for playing the position. He has instincts. He has a feel for in the pocket. He has a feel for outside the pocket. He's led his team to some big wins at home and on the road. And you can say BYU's schedule this year wasn't the best, but hey, they played everybody uh, that they could, right, in, in, in this era of COVID. But that's kind of what I came back with at the end of the day, a little bit of a cross between Kyler Murray and Tua. I love this kid's touch. Um I love his release. He has excellent feet in that this is one that makes all the throws without his feet being set. And who else do we have in our league that does that? Maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe uh, Mahomes. Those are the kind of guys that have releases that can throw from all platforms. Well, Zach has a little bit of that. He doesn't have to have his feet under him. He has the arm to make a throw cross field, you know, with, with his hips already opened up. So technically... There might be some that say, "Wow, he's going to have to get a lot of footwork. He's going to have to do this and that." Forget it. I don't. I don't want. I don't really want to mess with his feet. I want this kid to throw as natural as he has been, and because of it, he's got kind of a three-quarter arm delivery, so he is accurate as heck. He pinpoints balls um, where you're not going to have to worry about receivers running after the catch because they're going to catch it in stride. So if you've got some guys that can run, he's going to be able to put it on them where they can make somebody miss and gain yards after the catch. So a lot of things excite me about him. And I have not studied Trevor Lawrence yet. I haven't studied Justin Fields. And you and I know we've talked about these guys. I'm kind of waiting for a bigger body of work on Justin Fields before I, you know, really say this is what I think he is. And, and, uh, but That's Zach what I was going to ask you, yeah. yeah. We, Zach we, is, yeah. has a big body of work already, so it was easier to see him. And he's the first. I'll look at these other guys, but I'll say this. If they are better than Zach Wilson— we're probably in for a one, two, three quarterback draft. <laughs> yeah, you see him going case. that high. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I think this kid's a top five pick. And if anybody's looking for a quarterback, even if anybody's marginally looking for a quarterback, you'd have to think about him. What mistakes are made in drafting quarterbacks, Randy? Because you, you go through, so many of them go in the first round and, and a huge percentage of them fail. Some of that's where you go and what coach yeah. you get with and all that. But is there a mistake in the evaluation process that you just see over and over again? And when you watch a Zach Wilson, you're not as worried? I think sometimes we we project a lot of 
skill sets, right? We project what this kid can do in our system or what this kid can do in another system. In this case with Zach, I think he has the skill set to go forward at the NFL level with any type of an offense. I think the, the, the mistakes that get made are really in the development of those skills where, where quarterbacks like a Sam Darnold, who's still making the same mistakes he made at USC, nothing's been done to develop his skill set. But yet guys like Lamar Jackson, like we talked about, uh, Baker last night, those guys have taken their set of skills and gone to the next level with them. So the development of their craft has been raised. And like you said, it's a lot of times it's the lack of people around him. The one I fear for right now is Joe Burrow. I just don't know if he has, one, the system in place with Zach Taylor, and two, the people around him that's going to let him develop. Because let's face it, he's not good enough yet, but everybody's seen enough to know he could be really good. So they've got a lot of work to do as an organization there. You know, when I was I was going through before we were we started recording today, uh, we were talking a little bit about Zach Wilson and quarterbacks and who should take them. And I brought up the standings of the NFL, and uh, it's fun to look and see, you know, who would be a fit and where. And, of course, the Jets are picking first. Everyone thinks they'll take Trevor Lawrence. Jaguars will be in the mix. You know, another team where they haven't really gotten it right. Bengals aren't going to take a quarterback. Texans aren't. I got And the Chargers aren't. You know, Atlanta may or may not, but Dallas may or may not. Uh, but when I when I mentioned the Panthers, you really perked up <laughs> when we started doing this. I mean that that could be a for a Zach Wilson yeah. when you when we we kind of like what we see from the coaches there, right? I mean, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what be made a great you perk spot up for? Him. Yeah, great spot for him. I mean, you're talking about a, a Teddy Bridgewater who I like and PJ Walker who I know and love. This kid's a different level, you know. This kid's yeah. skill set and his purity as a passer is different. You know, so I think they would have to look at a kid yep. like this. And you mentioned a couple other teams there. You know, I don't know how Atlanta doesn't pass on a quarterback of this stature. You yeah. know, I, I, it's going to be a tough decision in Dallas what they do. And that has zero to do with, with Dak or his ability or his injury. That is all cap-based. You're talking about Dak Prescott now. If you put a tag on him, that's 38 of the 175 million in the cap next year. Yeah. So would you rather that? This is a great. This is a great. Can you build around it? I don't know. know? This is a great one, Randy. Though, so for you as a GM, let's just pretend that Jerry Jones said, "You know, I don't like power anymore. I'm not really into money (laughs) and power uh, anymore. I want to step aside. I'm going to hand this thing over to Randy Mueller and Randy." (laughs) Uh, I, I think we all expect this is what's exactly going to happen. This right? wasn't on the script, by the way. I don't no, see no, this, this on, our, on our show rundown. Well, because okay. kind of like last night's Monday night, last, kind of like the Monday <laughs> okay. night game, you couldn't script this, right? I'm okay. just making this up. But it's a great exercise. <laughs> yep. Because you know what Dak Prescott is. I love a lot of things about Dak Prescott. Uh, exactly. Leadership. He's tough. He's kind of a lot of what you would like to have at, at quarterback. I think he's underrated in the two-minute yes. offense and that type of stuff. But let's just say they finish in position and he's there. You could have uh, Dak Prescott at let's just say thirty-five to forty million a year. Let's say you work out a long-term deal, and he's our guy, and everyone has goosebumps at the press conference, and Jerry stood <laughs> by him. Or if you could have this guy at a much lower rate, it's, you know, still expensive, but not at the top quarterback rate. Uh, would you take Zach Wilson? What would you do? What would you recommend? I'd be intrigued based on what you said. What would you do? I think it's a bigger question than that. I, I appreciate the him or him. Uh, question. If you could get the DAC to sign a longer term deal where that cap number comes way down so you could make the improvements in the rest of your team, that's going to be a hard combination to beat. But if you if you consider the other side in Zach Wilson at five or six million, having an extra 30 million to rebuild your defense that you know is awful, what's best for your team? So it's it's what if. I think you would what if yourself to death the first month just by studying all of the options you have and what drafting a quarterback brings with it and what signing Dak to a long-term deal brings with it. So it's the other things that go with it. I don't think anybody would make a case that for, for the Cowboys next year that Zach Wilson is better than Dak. That probably not going to happen. Nobody's going to say that. Yeah, yeah. nobody's going to say that. But you have to consider a, a bigger picture and what else you could do to your team with Zach Wilson. My guess is that knowing Jerry, he doesn't think there's much wrong with his team. So he doesn't think it needs to be rebuilt and that his team building is just right on par. So my <laughs> guess is that's why he's saying that Dak Prescott is the guy and they hope to have him forever. Yeah. 
Yeah, just my feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But for for me, if I had to, if I had to do the franchise tag, if Dak wanted to play this out again, it was going to cost thirty nine million with my cap going down to one seventy five. I just don't I'm going to say thanks, but no yeah. thanks, and I'm going to go. And the first thing people say on Twitter then is, "So you're going to let Dak go for nothing? You're going to let him go for nothing? Of course you're not. If you if you decide to to not have Dak, you're going to trade him for something. So you're going to get value. So you got to add that in as well. Yeah, you tag them. Uh, worst case scenario, if you left, you'd get a third round compensatory pick back. That's not what you want, though. You'd, you'd try to maximize it and get something for him from a team that really, uh, you know, c- could use a veteran quarterback coming in who you know is going to be good in your locker room and, you know, do everything the so, right yeah. way. So in a way, that's your Herschel Walker just described and set up a different way. Yeah. You know, yeah. With, with the amount of cap room you save by drafting a quarterback and the amount of collateral you could get if you move Dak, you could change the, the whole face of your franchise, really. The whole whole fa- base of your defense, that's for sure. Just, just as an option to think this through. This is really fun. This wasn't on our script today, but I'm just, <laughs> forgive me while I just take a, call up the Cowboys here. And uh, I, I don't have their schedule memorized, Randy, but uh, they're going to play 49ers, Eagles, Giants. Okay. They could lose those games. <laughs> uh, so stay tuned. I, I don't think they're going to do yeah. that, but I love the conversation. I think it's a fun one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You mentioned the Heisman Watch when we were talking about Zach Wilson. I want to get to uh, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, because uh, in our notes here, for my money, the best player in college football this year. That's not Mike Sando saying it. That's the that's the former NFL executive of the year. Why? Who do you compare him to? What do you love about him? Let's talk about him before we get to our picks. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll try to be quick. I don't. I'm not saying that he's the first pick in the draft. So let's don't confuse the two. Right. I, right. I do think he's the best player that I've seen in college football. I mean, this kid is explosive, fast. He gets in and out of breaks. He's smart. He changes speeds during his route. He he he's an excellent north south runner once he gets the ball in his hands. But the thing that I love watching this kid do is catch the ball. If you were going to make a clinic on uh, a tape for a clinic on how to catch the ball, and that sounds basic. I would use I would just say watch this kid because his hand placement, how he turns them over, how he catches all routes and all balls when they get to his body or away from his body in his case is as good as I've ever seen. I mean, wow. he is a clinic. He is a clinic catching the ball. And to that end, 
I don't believe he's dropped the ball this year, and I'm not sure about last year. But we talked about Alabama's receivers. They've had some great ones, right, the last two years. This guy's the best of the bunch, in my opinion. I would love to watch this kid play after play. And when I hear the Mac Joneses and, and their running back, Najah Smith, I think that's his name, these guys' names get mentioned in the Heisman, I'm thinking usually it's the best player on the best team that gets mentioned. Devontae Smith is the best player on the best team. So he fits the Heisman watch category at the top better than any of these quarterbacks that I've seen, especially when you consider the full body of work that Alabama's had. They've played a full allotment of games this year. I think the kid deserves to be mentioned more than where he's at now. And I would not, if I had a Heisman vote, he'd be getting mine. I can tell you that. When you start talking about the best catcher, I mean, you were with Steve Largent in Seattle and young youngsters out there, look up Steve Steve Largent, look up the (laughs) hilarious stuff from Lester Hayes, calling the Caucasian Clydesdale. He was unbelievable <laughs> catching the football. So that's high praise when, when, because you spent all those years with Larger, and that's about as good of a catcher of the football. This guy's exciting to watch catch the ball. Yeah, I, love ab- I love his hands. Absolutely. All right. Well, we could talk all day. This is fun stuff. Let's hit it, head into our picks for week 15. We'll recap week 14. We did pretty well. We both took Buffalo, told you so, right? We, we, yep. This is with point spreads. We both took the Rams, told you so. We both took the Giants. I don't know what the we we bought the short term thing against Arizona. There we should have. I'm hanging with that too. By the way, I'm not jumping off the bandwagon like everybody on Twitter and all the people saying, all the Giants fans really saying. I told you they weren't that good. I'm hanging with the Giants. They are they are not a bad team, and their defense is good. Yeah. Okay. So we we missed on that one, and then last week I picked the Colts um, against the Raiders, and I think you just picked the Raiders, so we wouldn't agree on everything. But uh, that came. (laughs) I'm going to stick with that one too. (laughs) (laughs) We came out with that one, but a pretty good week in the picks. I don't love our games this week. I just going through some of these matchups. I was like, oh, I've only got two for us. Kansas City at New Orleans is interesting to me. Chiefs by three and a half. I'm going to go with the Chiefs all day by more than that. I just I feel like. Depending what happens, you know, Taysom Hill's been figured out. I mean, I think the more you, at least in my opinion, I mean, his numbers weren't bad. Do you agree with that? I think he has been figured out. I don't think they've played any defenses either. And and I think Sean's got a little carried away and he's trying to prove that this guy's a player. And they've gone away from, you know, uh, some of their weapons and some of the other things they've done. By the way, is Drew going to play this week before I make this pick, or is Taysom going to be the quarterback? Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like I'm on the Chiefs either way. If Drew's coming back, it's his first game back. I mean, physically, is he is he strong? Is he ready? Um, and if not, it's the other guy who we know now. It's not you're not going to surprise Kansas City, right? I mean, Kansas yeah. City's had a game plan for whatever Lamar Jackson or other quarterbacks who can beat you with their legs. So I'm all over Kansas City on that one. Even though I think the Chiefs do have some issues and they really struggled against. Miami in some aspects, I think you're going to see Patrick Mahomes come back and not throw three picks again like he did last week. And I think the Chiefs will really... uh, You're probably right. I think there's one thing that bothers me a little about the matchup if I'm Kansas City is that New Orleans can pressure the passer with four without blitzing. And they have several rushers who can get home without having to weaken your secondary to do it. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is, is Mahomes is a little different if you get people in his face, and I do think the Saints can do that. I'm with you, though. I'm going to pick Kansas City just based on the the uh, the fact that I, I agree with you. I think Drew could be a little rusty if he does come back. And by the way, I wouldn't have him come back if I were the Saints. I wouldn't play him again. Well, what do we need Drew Brees for? We know yeah. what he can do. Let's, let's save him for the playoffs. Because I guarantee you one thing, if we get to the playoffs without Drew Brees, we aren't going anywhere. So yeah. let's assure ourselves a chance in the playoffs. So let's don't play Drew Brees. How many, however many broken ribs he had, I, I wouldn't risk that. Yeah, and if there was crowd noise there and stuff, I would be with you because I think the Chiefs' offensive line could be had in that matchup with mm-hmm. with the noise and, and the good environment point, yeah. and all that. I think they'll go in there. Maybe they're able to do it, and they'll they'll have the best player on the field. My other game, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought it was going to be on here, but I just it gives us a little chance to talk five seconds about Mitch Trubisky. Yep. Is Chicago at Minnesota, and Minnesota is favored by three. And I'm going to take Minnesota. Actually, oh, I have to give the three points. Oh, Minnesota is not good. <laughs> I just, I'll do it. I'll just do Minnesota. God, that's that's ugly. Um, but because part of me, I just, see it in your face. I, yeah, 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 part yeah, of me. Yeah. You but, talk but, about shaking your head. Now you're shaking your head. So here's here's the deal, though. Like. Uh, you know, I do my pick six column every Monday, and I didn't even 
I mean, I mentioned Mitch Trubisky once. Like, I don't even some, – there's some things that happen on a week-to-week basis. Like, I'm not even going to address that because <laughs> – I know. But you know what I mean? I'm not going to have yeah. a thing on whether Mitch Trubisky is good. And he's had a yeah. couple of good I'm games. I'm over it too. I'm over yeah, it. Yeah, they've played you. some crap teams. I think yeah. I think really an underrated <laughs> aspect of analysis in the NFL is who you played. It's a huge <laughs> yeah. deal. You know, we live week-to-week. I write week-to-week. But come on. Yeah. So – Give us your pick, but then also let's. But the the reason it's on there is not because ever where everyone loves this matchup. But let's just talk some sense on Chicago. Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy's now spinning this like I would. Uh, I'd be talking about how this is real and all that because you you got to save your job. But tell us, Randy, what yeah. what are you saying? <laughs> if you're the independent personnel guy brought in, hired by Ted Phillips <laughs> or whoever with the with the Bears to talk truth in a in a private setting what are you saying i'm with you i'm not interested in hearing anymore to be honest with you i don't really care <laughs> i mean i don't want to be disrespectful to matt or or the bears but i really don't care i mean I, I see with my own eyes what's going on there i've seen it for two years now i've seen enough of it to be honest with you and it's not matt's fault he's got to do a press conference he's got to spin it his way but I, I, that's played already i'm done with it and and far as mitch trubisky goes i think matt led him down as many times as mitch has led him down if that makes any sense. Yeah. So they're, they're equally at fault. So I'm done with them. Uh, I'm with you. I'm picking Minnesota in the game. I, 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 I like uh, some of the things Minnesota has going. I don't love Kirk Cousins. I thought he exposed himself last week to be exactly what he is. Just good enough to get you beat in a big game. So, but I'm still going to pick Minnesota at home against Chicago. I just have more faith in Mike Zimmer maybe than Matt Nagy. I'm so with you on Minnesota. I think Kirk Cousins is the ultimate tease that like if yes, you play action no him up and whatever, you can make the stats look good. He's going to be in the top five in yards per attempt this year. Yep. But it's just it just teases you into being a team yeah, that'll never good win. Enough. It'll not never win enough. at all. You know, it, Think about, talk about a team that could use a quarterback, by the way. Get yeah. draft, draft a quarterback, get up there. I don't know where they're going to end up picking, but that's one right there that they've got to define something to, to change the course of where they're going. Absolutely. When you watch them and him and you watch the interaction. So let's. this is the ultimate contrast, and this is off script too, and it's a little unfair to Kirk Cousins. But did you see how the team of the Ravens was reacting to Lamar Jackson after the game? Oh, this yeah. is a little bit of a unique situation because Lamar, they're all in. Yeah. you love Lamar. I mean, everybody loves Lamar. Yep. Yep. But you need some of that. Yes. Or you want some of that. Unless you're going to just have an amazing guy, you can have your guy sort of be an ass or whatever. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is, but you can have. You don't have to have it rallied around if this guy's the freaking general out there yeah. <laughs> and leading you in battle. But when you don't have either, when you don't have the top player and the team doesn't rally around him, I think that's what you got there. Let's, let's move into our Ask the GM segment, the last one. It's time for Ask the GM. How many chances should a GM get when hiring a coach before we question the hiring process? And this is on there. Do you have someone in mind? We haven't discussed this one. No, I have nobody in mind. I, I, don't, I don't know where this question came from, but I think it's very interesting. I think it's... That's uh, great. Was this question on our little sheet from last week? We didn't discuss it. No, this I'm for it. It's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we can definitely tackle this. I'm just thinking back. In my time in the NFL, I got to hire one coach okay. in all my time. I hired Jim Hazlitt at New Orleans when I got there after I went to, from Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm thinking there are at least two GMs that I know of this year that probably will be hiring their third coach if, if they're allowed. And that's Ryan Pace in Chicago. He'll be hiring his third coach if something happens and they change course on Nagy. And Tom Telesco in San Diego. He'll be hiring his third coach. That is extreme. Not many people get a chance to hire two. I don't know of any that get a chance to hire three, unless you're the owner of the team like Jerry, and then you can hire 10. It doesn't matter. And it's funny, you know, our listeners are going to think that Randy slipped up by saying San Diego, but no, here's the truth about the NFL. (laughs) You are not a real NFL person. You're not really somebody who's on the inside if you don't say San Diego every time. It's just a flat-out law in the league that every conversation I have with anyone in the league, it is San Diego. So that wasn't a mistake. That's Sorry. just the way they're referred to by everybody who's a real NFL coach or evaluator. It's a it's a fact. So um, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think every situation is different, and and who and sometimes it's not just the GM who's hiring the coach. There's other people in the building right. who there want is to, a, there a, a bigger process involved, no doubt. Want to do certain things, but I think we need as we look at these situations as they come open. It's just a really fair question, you know. Um, you've got to you got to have a set of principles that guide you in hiring for that position and 
Well, as we wrap this up, Randy, what are the two, th- two or three things you got to have in a head coach? Well, I think you you cannot be afraid to hire a one dynamic personality and somebody that knows more than you. I think that's a, a, a lesson that any hiring in the NFL, and it happens way too often in my case, where teams will hire people that know less than the people already in the building. Therefore, they haven't really brought anything else to the table. I'm okay with hiring smarter guys than me. I want smarter guys than me, you know. Yeah, and people do that almost out of self-preservation, right? Yeah. People don't realize in the dynamics of an organization, you don't want to bring in a threat sometimes. So, like, to me, that'll be very interesting in the case of, like, the Chargers, where they probably move on from Anthony Lynn. Are they going to bring someone in who's going to have their own ideas and show them how to do it? Or are they going to bring in the next Anthony Lynn who... Uh, through no fault of his own, may not be able to do that, right? Or the same thing yeah, with uh, no, no, with right. the Chicago, right? I mean, Matt Nagy came in very green. Are you going to bring in somebody who's going to tell Ryan Pace a thing or two if, right. if Ryan's still there? Yeah, um, no doubt. I think you have to be willing to, to put yourself out there and put your own personal agenda aside if you're one of these teams who's hiring, uh, especially for the second or third time. I mean, you you need to make your own agenda so far removed from the criteria that it it, it shouldn't even be brought up, you know, if that makes any sense. So when you're saying that, I'm thinking of Chicago. I'm also thinking of Philly, right? Philly's had this infrastructure where, uh, you know, where Jeff Lurie, Howie Roseman, there's a comfort level there. And when they brought in Chip Kelly, not that they should hire the next Chip Kelly, but that's a different guy with his own ideas and it people were probably a little uncomfortable there because of it, right? I mean, it disrupted right. what they were doing, but that's what you're talking about, not hiring yep. Chip Kelly, but somebody who's going to come in and have have their own um, set of ideas. So that's a good template, I think, as we look at the hires, and we'll talk about it as the hires come through. Who did that, right? Who hired somebody who knows more than them, uh, which can be a little uncomfortable, but can also lead to growth. For yeah, and there's many other things that are involved in the process, but that to me is, I think, a good starting point anyway. Yep. And the fact that the question was, how many times do you let somebody hire anybody? You know, I think three is, is rare. So <laughs> those, those, those places should be lucky, that's for sure. Better yeah. to be lucky than good. Absolutely. And that that's a, a good way to wrap this up this week, Randy. Uh, where can people find you? Obviously on Twitter, at Randy Mueller underscore, but you've got a little more going on than that. Tell, tell everybody a little bit about your website. Yeah, I have a little consulting business that kind of helps a few of us, uh, you know, come and go. It's MuellerFootball.com. I also write a little blog there a couple times a week that seems to draw a little interest. So some of the topics we talk about here, I even expand more yeah, in the blog. Yeah, I noticed but, that. Uh, yeah, the, the blog itself is uh, I put up two or three different posts a week. And, uh, you know, just things on the NFL, on the insider's view that some might not see yeah. from a different angle. That's all. Yep, check that out again. You can find Randy at Randy Mueller underscore. I am Mike Sando, senior writer of The Athletic. You can find me at Sando NFL. Thanks, everybody, for coming along, and we'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.